Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, and this time I am with a fellow podcaster. And not just that, but my my first pod ever was Elias Our House. So, David, thank you for being on with me hey. for my pod. Hey, hey, thank you for returning the favor. It's so great to uh, to be on a different podcast. It's, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, I was so excited to like have you on and and hear your takes and and we already had agreed to talk U.S. women and so that's like our main focus for the listeners here because um because Elias Our House is a Galaxy Pod. If you want to tell them a little bit more about that, yeah, um, we're a LA Galaxy podcast that is sort of a different perspective than what you get from all of the other many many other Galaxy podcasts that have cropped up uh, since Galaxy Podcast, uh, you know, sort of was doing its thing, uh, with Josh Gessman. Uh, we're the, the nice thing is that we're all friends. Uh, everybody in the galaxy community is, is really cool with each other. So it's kind of nice to have more and more people kind of get more involved with the independent coverage of not only the galaxy, but the U S men's national team, the women's team. Um, there's a podcast for USL. There's podcasts for, you know, NWSL, like they're all over the place. So, um, the more we can have sort of in the, the American soccer community, the better, but we're, we are an Ellie galaxy focused podcast. Um, but we also cover the league. We have a, a prediction game called balls and beers where we try and predict the outcomes of MLS games to hilarious, uh, misery. And, uh, actually Michelle is participating. Um, she was a guest expert for us last year and then she's a regular participant for us this year and she's doing okay as, but uh, about as, <laughs> about as well as anybody could be doing this season. It's, so far it's been a horrifying season. For- it, it has. And, uh, but it's, but it's been fun. Um, it keeps, it keeps those galaxy losses at least, uh, at bay <laughs> when you're like, okay, I have a game to play with this. So it keeps, it keeps it light. <laughs> it does keep it light. There you go. That was a good word for that. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I, we're talking gender and we're talking women in sports and, you know, as a female reporter and like you said, with podcasts you know, being a dime a dozen, it's like, for me, I felt like my niche was that I'm a woman and that I'm a woman of color. But what I, what I did like was that, um, you said that you wanted my opinions because, because of, because it's me. <laughs> and that's what I like to hear from, from a lot of people. It's not just like a gender thing, but I mean, gender issues are real when it comes to soccer though. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, our, our buddy Sepp Blatter is no longer in charge of FIFA, but I'm sure, uh, Gianni Infantano has his, his beliefs about women's soccer seem to line up with, uh, with good old Sepp. (laughs) Yeah. So that's why I wanted to also, uh, have you tell us a little bit more about yourself, like how you got into soccer in general, how the U S team is your national team. Um, like me, I have a Dutch, Indonesian and Mexican background and yet my national team is the U S although when I did go to Amsterdam, I did wear <laughs> the, the Netherlands Jersey. I did. And somebody like tweeted me like, you're wearing the wrong Jersey. I'm like, have you seen my last name? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, my dad was actually born over there. So it's like, I, I have some credit to wear this, but I understand how some people like feel like, yeah, you got to choose a citizenship. And then also like, yeah, how you got your family into LA galaxy and became a season ticket holder. Sure. Uh, uh, well, I'll start with the national team. Um, the national team I fell in love with 
in during the 2002 World Cup. Like the run up to that World Cup is sort mm-hmm. of my first uh, experience with following the national team. I had watched World Cups before that. I had watched uh, the Women's World Cup in 99. I watched the uh, the 98 World Cup and I watched the 94 World Cup here and there. It wasn't, I wasn't as into it as I am now, but like 2002 was the first sort of tournament where I was diving in feet first. And my mom, my mom's side of the family is from Guatemala. So obviously no real reason to root for them. Um, (laughs) And uh, my dad's side of the family is Mexican, but he was born here in the United States. So through my mom, my dad's side of the family, I'm actually second generation American. Um, And then my mom's side of the family, I'm first generation but I've always been closer to my mom's side of the family. Um, so I grew up with like my grandma and my aunts uh, and my uncles from, you know, on the Guatemalan side. So I, I always felt more of a kinship to Guatemala than I have to Mexico. Um, and then once I dove first into the U.S. national team, then all the other stuff started coming around, you know, the, the rivalry with Mexico, um, the you know, the sort of pity for Guatemala who, who have never made a, <laughs> a, a world cup, but you know, came, came pretty close. And then having Pescadito play for the galaxy, obviously um, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, fostered my, my feelings more toward the Guatemalan side than anything else. Um, so, you know, that's sort of where, where I got my first real experience. And then of course that was right after September 11th. So having, oh. having a, a national team to root for and sort of like September 11th was even though I was all the way on this side of the country um, and I didn't know anybody that was involved in it. I still felt very affected by it. I still felt very hurt by that whole thing. Um, and I was looking for something to sort of pour all my pride into and the U S national team was it. So, you know, uh, obviously uh, people who know soccer, that was a magical World Cup for the U.S. Uh, we had a phenomenal showing. We beat Mexico in the round in the the, uh, <laughs> the round of sixteen. Um, so it was it, it it just sort of hardened my love for for the U.S. national team, uh, much to my chagrin. Now um, I know, right? <laughs> but as far as the LA Galaxy goes, I've been going to games. Since like 97, 98, I would go to a handful of games. 98 was when I first was able to drive and kind of do things on my own. So I started going to more games in Pasadena. And then I became a season ticket member in 2003 when the Home Depot Center opened. Uh, the the uh, the first soccer cathedral in the United States. Um, so I was I am an inaugural um, Home Depot Center, now Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, season ticket member. Wow, lucky. Because <laughs> I was brought into it because um, I had a boyfriend at the time, yeah, Salvadorian background, but uh, he was born here. And um, yeah, that's how I got into it because he was into after the 2002, we went to high school together. So 2002, um, yeah, he was all about the U.S. national team. And then 2005, I went to my first Galaxy game. So I totally feel that that growth, that pride that that comes with, yeah, representing your team. And, and again, like you said, like um, 
that connection to Los Angeles. I mean, you know, actually I had classmates talking about the LA galaxy since 96, but I just, I didn't really have like, my family was all about basketball and football. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I didn't really have anybody to, to go with until then. So. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that was, that was a weird thing. My uncles, um, they knew soccer, but they were ma- mainly football and basketball. My grandpa always followed soccer, but he would watch any game, you know, any, anything that was 11 players kicking a ball around, you know, against another set of 11 players, he was there, he was (laughs) watching it, you know? So like he had no real affiliation other than, um, Comunicaciones in Guatemala and the Guatemalan national team, everything else. He just kind of watched it because he loved the sport. And so when we started getting into Galaxy, we started bringing my cousin and I, my cousin Lewis, who does a podcast with us, um, started taking my grandpa to games. And so that, you know, that was kind of a cool thing that we got to do with my grandpa and bond with him, even though he didn't like watching Galaxy games. He was like, ah, they're trash. You know, they're <laughs> terrible. Um, but well, like most people I overhear, they're like, this isn't soccer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> especially those like early Americanized days, or whatever. especially those early days, man, they were rough yes. to watch. like looking back, those were rough days, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of what helps solidify my, my love for the sport. And like, it was, I, I feel like I am a almost first generation, like hardcore soccer fan, the way that, the way that a, a lot of other people are in this country. I mean, you got to name your kid after. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I named my kid after Landon Donovan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I made a bet that 2010 World Cup, I'm sitting on my couch at the time and I was, it was like, you know, actually we were going into stoppage time and I was like, okay, God, if Landon Donovan scores the winning goal, I will name my firstborn son, Landon Donovan, father's last name. And then Landon Donovan scored in the 93rd minute. And I'm like, oh, oh. Own up to it. there's a lot of, and I'll tell you this, there are a lot of kids out there either named Landon or named Donovan that were born after that. Oh, really? Yeah. After that time. Um, my kids playing a. I was gonna say David because David Beckham. No, but. no, no. My kids play. My kids play in youth soccer, and one year there was two Donovans on, on his team. My son and another kid, and then another year there was a Landon and a Donovan. On, oh my god! On a team. That's so funny. So, yeah, there are plenty of okay. ones. There's, I and I believe there's <laughs> another Donovan at my son's school too. He goes to, a, he goes to a private school. So like that's the the, the likelihood of that is even less. But yes, have you talked to them? Do, do you know for sure if they're if they name their kid it's, after it, yeah, Landon yes, Donovan? They did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's great. I wonder if Landon knows about all that. <laughs> he, I mean, he asked you. I'm sure people have told him. I know I've told him. <laughs> You did. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I met him too, but it was like a random thing at the Walgreens over here in Hollywood. <laughs> and I was like, the, I was like, I was on Galaxy Twitter, and the, and it was like Landon Donovan's here. I'm like, wait a minute, that Walgreens down by work. And so like, I ran down there. I was like, last person that they let in, and I was nice. like, oh my god, okay. So I didn't like they, because I was the last person. They were like, no pictures, shake his hand, get your autograph, let it go. And I was like, okay, fine. So I didn't even really get to say. I don't even remember what I said to him. Now it was like 2014. Mm. Sorry, you didn't make the World yeah. Cup, bro. I know, I know, right? <laughs> oh man, yeah, that cleans me. So, I I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say that. Um, yeah. So, what do you think about U.S. soccer in this country? I mean, we're kind of like saying we know that they're garbage right now, 
Um, but I think that the only way that we can get better is by playing like garbage. I feel like if we're winning, then, you know, everybody gets comfortable. And I mean, we definitely don't lack talent. If you ask me, I mean, I mean, some people would say that you need a whole overhaul of the organization. What do you think needs to happen? What do you think is going on? Oh, that is, that is a loaded question. And like, this is something that we've debated a lot on our podcast and, Mm -hmm. um, we all have different opinions on it. I think that I have the most optimistic view of it. Um, I know, which is why I have you on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know, I know that the, the, the day that the U S failed to qualify for, um, the 2018 world cup, uh, I, we recorded a podcast, um, and my one of my final thoughts on on the show was that we will never know a day where the U.S. doesn't qualify for a World Cup. Like that was that's going to be the one and only time that this happens. Okay. Um, God, I, I don't so. I don't know if this is the case anymore. Um, but look, it's recency bias. You look at the the state of the team now and. You you know it looks doom and gloom, um, and as you said, it, it, success we're, we're used to being successful, and I think that's kind of what has happened with our development is that we were so used to being successful that we kind of took our foot off the, the pedal there. Um, I think that our our development in the country has stagnated, and some of that is because of MLS. Some of that is a talent pool issue. Some of that is a cultural shift that's happening, um, not just in soccer, but just culture in general. I mean, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear people talk about how, you know, hashtag millennials, right? Um, yeah. I, I don't agree with, you know, the, the idea that all millennials are entitled and blah, 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 you know, whatever the, the older, the, the, the old people, the old fogies like to I was going to say whatever TED talk about. came out yeah. from Simon Sinek. But. <laughs> but, but I do think that there is a shift in American culture and in the way that kids see the world compared to the previous generation, just like the previous generation saw the world differently than the previous generation of them. You know, there's, there's shifts mm-hmm. in every generation and – you know, this generation, I think that they prioritize different things and some of those things don't really line up with being elite athletes. So I think that we're, we're not in a good place right now, but we need to, we need to figure out to, you know, this is what Americans do, right? We dig ourselves out of a bad situation or we, at least we, Mm -hmm. we like to try to think that we, are the type of people that dig ourselves out of bad situations. Um, the, you know, that, that American sort of ingenuity and the persistence and the, the, the will to overcome something. So I think that we just have to apply this kind of thing to our development. Having said that it's a mess out there, right? If you look at mm-hmm. the way that kids are identified in this country, there is a significant lack of, cultural soccer knowledge. Um, I've been, I've been in the bubble of local, you know, youth recreational leagues. And Mm -hmm. believe me when I tell you that 
on any given Saturday when there's 70 kids out there playing soccer, there's maybe like 10 people that know what they're doing in, you know, out of, out of the 70 kids plus the coaches, plus all the parents that are there watching the games. Um, how many times I've heard a kid kicking the ball really hard and subsequently giving up possession to the other team get applauded. Good job, Connor. You know, that's, um, that, that's one of the things that irritates me the most when I go to my kids' soccer games and I try to teach them the nuance of the game, but you know, there's, a ton of other people that are choosing that are teaching athleticism over skill and strength over, um, intelligence. So that's mm-hmm. a big, that's a big hurdle. I don't think that there's, that's something that we can overcome this generation or next generation. Maybe the generation after that will sort of come around to that. But, you know, ultimately what I think needs to happen in order for, American soccer, soccer culture and the U.S. national team, uh, at least on the men's side, um, sort of evolve is time, and nobody yeah, likes to, nobody likes to hear that, right? Because <laughs> that means that we don't get it now, and we're and as Americans, we want everything now. Like we want to yes. be the best, we want it now. If you're not going to give it to me now, then it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's 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 just one of those things that. It, this is not going to get fixed overnight. Nothing. If, if somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I know the answer. They're lying. Um, you know, they can't yeah. fix it overnight. It's, it's just going to take time. But a takeaway from what you were saying was play your kids though. Um, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, I have, I have colleagues, I have cousins uh, that are playing their kids. Um, you know, unfortunately it doesn't seem that for a couple of them, soccer is the only sport they play. They switch them over to baseball when yeah. it's that season. Yeah. And I think that's fine and everything. But, um, but like you said, like just treating it, um, yeah, like, like a career choice, you know, like a career path. I remember like, I wasn't always going to be a teacher and, you know, I was in the teaching Academy in my high school and, you know, I ended up doing a summer internship and I don't know, somehow it just ended up being my career path. And so when you, when you, when you have teachers and you have support, like the coaches and, and family and, and they treat it like it's a career choice. And perhaps, perhaps that's, that's one way. Um, the other thing I was thinking was immigration in terms of, I mean, you know, this, this country is going through a lot as, as it is, but I mean, maybe part of the argument is that, you know, soccer seen as an immigrant sport and that's why there's not so much development and growth and everything. But if you look at France, for example, all of their teams were, you know, there's, their citizens have been immigrants before. Right. And so it's possible to have like that kind of development as well. Yeah. I, I think, a, I think a big chunk of that is, is, um, you know, when you, when you say going back to where you said play your kids, um, mm-hmm. more, more so than play your kids is teach your kids. Um, yeah. It, it's, it teach them about the game. Don't teach them about how to kick a ball hard, teaching them about, teach them about why you should kick a ball hard when the situation calls for it. Teach them about when it's not the right time to kick a ball hard. Um, you talk about how you sort of fell into your career the way that, you know, mm-hmm. I did the same thing where I mm-hmm. am, I'm an IT professional. I wanted to be a director 
when I was going into Oh, you did? I started out wanting to be a music producer, and then I moved to TV and film, and then I moved into IT. And um, now I'm in IT within television, which is nice. It's a nice sort of medium to, to, to fall into, but it's not what I wanted to initially do in my life. And um, mm-hmm. so when you think about um, parents teaching kids with with uh, sports and seeing if they fall into one thing or another a, a lot of people growing up you know I played baseball I played basketball I played soccer I played um football I was not, I was not good at any of them um, neither was uh, I it's just like <laughs> I, I was not good at any of like them like I got yelled at for playing like at PE you know? right but <laughs> But I didn't learn. I, I mean, I've I was playing soccer from under eight, and I didn't learn how to play soccer until mm-hmm. I got to college. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which is kind of crazy if you think about it, because when I first started playing baseball, like U ten level, I learned how to play baseball immediately. Mm-hmm. When I learned when I joined basketball. I learned how to play basketball within the first year. Um, same thing with football. I, when I played football, when I wrestled in high school, I learned how to wrestle my first couple of weeks wrestling. But soccer, I played for years, and I didn't know how to play until I got to college. So that's what I'm talking about in, in when, I, when I mean teacher kids because um, the first thing that coaches teach in all those other sports is fundamentals. Right. This is how you throw a ball. Mm-hmm. This is how you catch a ball. This is how you make sure you're fielding the ball correctly. Um, but in soccer, it's just like, yeah, go go kick the ball. Oh, good job, Connor. You kicked it really hard. Yeah, just make sure you don't get your hand on the ball. Yeah, you know don't, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's 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 frustrating to see that you know because because ultimately this is what I mean about culture is that there has to be two or three generations of kids that learn how to play soccer that come up and teach their kids and teach their kids and teach their kids. And then that's when soccer is life. Right. Right. And until we get to that point, our development system is always going to be random. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the kids with talent are going to fall through the cracks. Um, whether it's because of their, economic situation, their geographic situation, or, you know, quite frankly, their race. Um, Mm -hmm. you look up, you look at the tiers of, um, the youth system and the higher you go, the less diverse those teams look. And when you get to the college level, it's like a bunch of white guys and like maybe, a random person who is not white. Um, yeah, I noticed that even with the U.S. women, um, especially when I interviewed them, I just I just wanted to know like how did they how did they continue? How did they move on? Because I mean, I don't know, I you know, uh, but sometimes it's seen as a girls' sport. Like most girls, like when people find out, you know, I'm a Galaxy fan. They're like the first thing they're like, "Oh, did you play?" Yeah. And in my case, no. But um, that's what I wanted to know from from these girls too. But if you looked on today's pitch, it, I mean, Kristen Dunn was the only girl of color on the pitch. Uh, I mean, do you want to you want to include Kristen Press? 
Kristen Prest. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. was she was on there. Well, I would yeah, say. When, when she was subbed in, yeah. starting. But yeah. starting, yeah, um, Kristen Dunn was the only person of color, and I think that there's, mm-hmm. you know, there there are there. Of course, there comes in waves. I'm not saying that there is a like. How do I? Uh, how do I not? offend people by saying there's not like systematic know, right? ra- there's not like systematic racism through the through the the ranks of uh US soccer but there are plenty of stories out there that I've heard saying like oh you know from latino kids going like oh my son's my son's team played the you know against the, like the U S under 17s and they beat the pants off of them and they didn't invite a single one of those kids into, into, um, mm-hmm. camp because, um, Oh, they weren't small. They were too small or they, uh, they didn't have the physical attributes that we're looking for. So what does that mean? You know, if it, 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 it doesn't matter if the other kid is bigger, faster, stronger, if you can't control a ball and you get dribbled around, it doesn't matter how Mm-hmm. big and fast you are you know what i mean we've seen that with emma Botang. We, no <laughs> that's a great point the emma Botang, fast he can't touch the ball worth a damn same thing with jesse's mm-hmm. artist fast strong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he can't control a ball he runs in a straight line it's but but it's one of these things that it's it's not ingrained in the culture and so the it, it's very much like on the fringe of sports in this country still. And I wouldn't say that it's a girl sport, that soccer is a girl sport. Like, I think that was kind of like that. That's a whole other like conversation that we can have about how like the soccer mom culture from the nineties really stagnated the development of that generation. Um, mm. But to me, um, it's just not a, it's just, we're just not the best at it. And so that, and like, it, it's odd because you talk about the women, they are the, the U S women's national team are the best yes. at, are, at the sport. And yet they're so far down the level of importance in the sports culture of the United States. It's not even funny. And yeah. so it, that goes to show you that American, American exceptionalism has exceptions and sometimes that's that exception is women. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when I when I asked my international students, well, how is how are sports for women in general in your country? And then, you know, what about soccer? Because, you know, they're looking at women are number one ranked. Uh, the U.S. women are number one ranked. And then you have like France is fourth and like Japan is seventh. Cause that's like the demographic I have in my class right now. And so that's what they were looking at. And so they were just saying, well, like Argentina today, like their first point ever. Um, and so, you know, when you're looking at the, the development of women around the world, I mean, definitely like the U S women are, are, are leading the way, you know, in terms of not just equal pay, but also like trying to, to, to get it like more as a, like, like an untapped market, like trying to get everybody like invested, invested in it. And, um, so where did your interest for the women's world cup come from? Um, well, first and foremost, it's the world cup, like whether it's the women's or the men's, it's the world cup, you know, it's, it's the event that is the pinnacle of this sport. So my main interest is world cup. 
my second my second interest is it's the United States. You know, this is the the first time in now what six years um, that we're getting to see a competitive team on the field in the World Cup um, that represents the United States, the, the the team that I love, the country that I love. Um. And yeah, I mean, like those are those are my two big ones. Is 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 I'm a huge soccer fan. I love the United States. I love the World Cup. Hey, here's and you watched the, the women's ninety nine, so you got to see like all all of the I, the legendary women. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, I yeah. watched. I've watched every women's World Cup that's been available to me. I I didn't get to see ninety one because obviously, like TV was you know non existent there. Uh, ninety five, I. Um, I don't recall seeing any games in 95, um, 99. I watched obviously, um, the, the, the ones in between and the, one of the big moments that sticks out in my head. And, and I'm sure a lot of other us soccer fans head is that Abby Wambach uh, goal mm-hmm. against Brazil. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I, it's crazy because in 2009 we had the Confederations Cup and I was watching um, USA Brazil final at Bobby's house, uh, my other podcasting partner Bobby, uh, at his house, and we tore the damn roof off of his place when the U.S. went up 2-0. And we went into a deep, deep, deep sadness when they ended up losing that game 3-2. to Um you know, 2010, we were at a bar in Pasadena and we, along with everybody else that was there, went ballistic when uh, they came back and tied against Slovenia. And then they and then we were at a bar again watching uh, that Landon Donovan goal that you spoke of earlier. Oh, yeah. One of the one of the best moments ever. And I thought, oh, my God, this this high is so incredible. I don't know if I'll if anything is ever going to replicate this. And then that Abby Wombat goal, holy crap! Mm-hmm. I was sitting mm-hmm. I was sitting at home by myself watching the game, and I was texting back and forth with Bobby. And when that goal went in, I was speechless because of how stunning that goal. How stunning it was! It was an incredible moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm lucky to have witnessed a lot of big, big moments like that, you know, and then obviously if you want to include the, the Zlatan goal, um, I don't know, right? we were, you know, we were all there for that game for that one, but yeah, you know, so like that's, right? so already that's five like enormous euphoric soccer moments that, that we've had, that I've had. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't remember what what the question was, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, you answered it brilliantly. It was exactly what I was like. Oh yeah, how did you get interested in in U.S. women's soccer? And you're just like, it's soccer first of all, like the World Cup, and then women because it's the USA and they're good. Just (laughs) hearing those five things, yeah, just hearing those five things, like you, the listener, should be getting into it if you're not already. I I know, right? Like go back and like rewatch, and you know that was another thing that one of my students asked me today. She was like. 
like, do you ever just like rewatch games? And she goes, cause that's what my grandfather does. She goes, he even goes back to like the seventies and her grandfather's from oh, Germany. And uh, yeah, I know. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I go back and are you kidding? I go back and rewatch like Zantan's debut. <laughs> like full. I, you <laughs> know what's funny full, is that I, I've only, I've only done it a few times. Um, I could tell you exactly what games I've rewatched. I've rewatched 2000, us, yeah. 2000, 2002 <laughs> USA, Mexico. Mm. I've rewatched um, Germany, USA from 2002. Okay. I've rewatched um, the Algeria game. Uh, oh, Land, yeah. You know, Landon's game winner. Uh, I've rewatched the Slovenia game. I've rewatched the USA Brazil um, women's game, the, the mm-hmm. Wambach goal. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, um, those are the only games I think yeah. I've ever really watched. <laughs> I can't, like, I have to watch. I have to watch stuff live, live, or else like I, I'm not good at. Yeah. I'm not good at like staying off of social media until or uh, avoiding the score until I can get to the game. Like, I just I have to watch the game, or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch it. That's fair. I have to. I have to be that's fair. It. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, a one of the other female reporters that I covered U.S. women with when they did the the 99ers. Um, everything that was incredible to be at too, and also like yeah, like you said, like reliving um, Abby's goal and everything. Um, but I, I just remember like um, lost my train of thought a little bit. <laughs> but um, yeah, Good, it's going around. Good. Uh, I know, I know. I'm, I'm glad that, that this is where this is going, but like while I'm live recording and I don't edit, um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just got so like enthralled with the, with the women and going back. Oh yeah. She messaged me like if, if I had to work, um, during the game and she was, and I was like, yeah, she goes, Oh man. And I'm just like, no, but you know me, like if I had all like 50 students of, at this school watching the men's world cup, they can definitely watch the women's. <laughs> And so that's exactly why I was like, okay, guys, like, you know, let's set up like a, a discussion, but, and, and like, it but it was really cool that everybody was into it and they were really into like, like going for the U S women. They're like, Oh, Oh, they almost scored. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's fun. It's fun to bring everybody together like that. And, and, um, and, and to hear them talk about, about women's sports in their countries too, to know that it is being developed, uh, that they are interested in it. And they're like, Oh yeah, I think that the, the, the Japan women's team is better than the men's. And I was like, okay, but I thought you guys did pretty good in this last world cup. Um, they did do well. Yeah. So it's nice. Yeah, they did. So it's, it's nice to, to hear that and, and see that. And you're right. It's not just because it's, it's, it's women, you know? Um, I definitely think that, that there's something to be learned. And like you said, there's, there's kids watching these games now. Yeah. And, you know, because people were really worried, like, oh, the men didn't qualify, like, oh, they're not going to play. But, like, no, there's kids watching the women's right now, too, just in being just as inspired, like you said. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I try to impart in my kids, actually, is seeing women and men and not being worried about gender roles. Like, one of the things that my son told me the other day is he was he said that he was playing with my aunt who they were playing Avengers. Right. And so he gave her the option of being black widow, captain Marvel or, um, wasp. And she was like, Oh, I want to be Hawkeye. And he was like, she can't be Hawkeye. That's a boy. And I was like, well, why not? I'm like, Mm. I'm like, there's no reason why she can't be a boy and, and you can't be a girl. Like 
mm-hmm. you're just making pretend. So it's fine. And like even one of my older son's soccer coaches one time, um, he used to tell the boys, uh, you know, he used to yell at the boys, come on, you guys are running like girls. And I was very oh. and I was very quick to remind him that the women have three World Cups and the men have zero. So yeah. if they're running like girls, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> and he didn't do that again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the kind of thing too, like you definitely have to have to speak up. I mean, uh, I saw less of uh, misogynistic comments on, on my Twitter feed anyway. Um, from, you must have you know, the filter turned off. I, I, right. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was, yeah, I was like, I don't know if I want to like dig into the black hole. I'm sure it's there. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, I like to think that we're making headway and that we're making progress, you know? Well, I think, um, I think the important part mm-hmm. in, and like, this is one of the things if, if I could, if I could chew on the, the, the Marvel portion of it or chew on that portion of it real quick. Yeah, do it. Um, it's, by the way, spoilers for uh, Avengers Endgame. If you haven't seen it yet, then, you know, that's your own fault. Um, I was going to say, <laughs> is it like even a spoiler at this point? People have seen it like 15 times. <laughs> um, there's there's a moment in Endgame that they, they really hammer home the fact that here's all of our women heroes in one frame and – the way that they did it was super cringy. Like it's ham fisted, like girl power. And I felt, I felt it kind of as a kind of like icky feeling, not because I'm like, those are girls. They can't be doing it. It's it's because like (laughs) they made it a point to be like, look at us girls. And I felt like it was, you don't have to frame it like that. You can just have, the characters doing the heroic things on the screen and people will make that connection themselves. You know, like uh, I can't believe I'm going to praise a DC movie here because all of them so oh, far no, have been wait, terrible. Where are you going with but this? <laughs> the, the, the Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman, okay, movie, yeah, when, okay. she, when she steps out into no man's land um, and she kind of rallies the troops, I thought that was an incredible yeah. sort of like women empowerment moment that didn't that that wasn't overly um uh, overly yeah like it didn't have an agenda no it didn't have an agenda but the marvel the marvel the in-game thing did and i felt very like kind of grossed out by it and and the same thing with the women's uh national team and the men's national team like we shouldn't be we shouldn't make the distinction of this is women's soccer. It's just soccer. Like that's the, the, you know, that's the point that I want us to get to. It doesn't have to be like, Oh, look how good the women's team is doing because they're women. No, look how good these teams are doing because they're, they're good or they're not good, you know, or whatever, regardless of gender. gender, Like that's, that's, I feel like that's kind of like the point where we have to get to, um, as a society. Wow. Well, I, oh, yeah, no, I, I can't believe I just agree. said that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, even when I interviewed the 99ers, that's what they, that was their end goal too. They're like, I don't want to be like talking about like, this is women's soccer. I want to just talk about this is soccer. We're developing us soccer. Yeah. Um, with that said, then how would you support if LAFC started a women's team? Support them in which I, I'd root against them. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a support, right? That's a, that's a method of support. I'd root against yeah. them because, um, 
But then, but then, like, which NWSL team would you cheer? Just anyone that's going yeah, against them, my, like how we do for my favorite, <laughs> That would be my favorite team that week. Whoever, whoever's going up against LAFC, like, it's really unfortunate that we don't have a NWSL team here in LA yet. Like, we had the Soul yeah. for a while, um, but sadly, I never got out to a Soul match. Like, I, I tried to a few times. And, um, I think it was a situation where like, it just didn't work. I, I didn't make it work in my schedule and that's my own fault. Like I, I would have loved to have gone, yeah. gone to see Marta play in real life. Oh, um, I know. but I was aware of the soul and I watched a couple of games on TV. Um, if MLS had like, if each MLS team had sort of, um, sister clubs that were their counterparts, I think that that would go a long way in, making me interested in it. I'm not very interested in NWSL. I wish I could say that I was, mm-hmm. um, because you know, it's I, uh, like I said, I think LA having a team, if it was not affiliated to LAFC or to galaxy, I think I would still support <laughs> that women's team. Um, if mm-hmm. obviously if galaxy had like a galaxy women's team, I would, you know, we would 120 be there. be there for that. <laughs> um, for sure. But I think that, you know, growing that NWSL is, uh, again, I hate to be this person, but it has a lot to do with the culture of, of the game in, in the, in this country, like the NWSL is only going to get as big as the culture the current climate of the culture will let it like it's soccer is not ingrained in our, in our soul. So like, if you look at, um, the French league, the, uh, division one feminine or Liga MX feminine, like they have, you know, 30,000 people showing up to their games. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it's quality soccer. And that is what that culture is about. You know, you look at like the Tigres, uh, who was it? Tigres that won the, the, the Glasura or the Apertura uh, in Liga MX. Mm-hmm. For the women, I think they had something like 40,000 people for that game. That's incredible. That's unheard of here. Like yes. the, the, the yeah. women's I mean, national when, team when, has a hard time. There were like, that's what I was going to say. When there were like 21,000 people you know, at bank when U.S. women played here, they were like, "See, this is an untapped market." Well, and I'm there's like, only yeah, twenty-one thousand people like, that fit in that stadium, and right? and <laughs> and it's and one, it's Mia Hamm's team, and it's a bunch of yes. it's a bunch of LAFC idiots going out there and chanting their LAFC chants at the, the yes the, at the, the supporters women's <sighs> national team game, like yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. See, I'm not about that. Like, I wouldn't go to a to a women's national team game and chant like Galaxy chants. That's just stupid. That's not yeah, the team. That's yeah, playing on the yeah. Field. No, I, yeah, I totally understand that. I know. And there was a debacle about all of that as well. I'm sorry, I'm bringing uh, I'm bringing the salt no, where, there, where there shouldn't be any salt in this. <laughs> <laughs> in this I mean, podcast. it's not like it wasn't addressed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like it's not out there already. Like, in fact, I don't know if I even talked about it. I think you might be the first one that really. Oh, uh, yeah, because I had I did have Jamie on, and she was obviously like a. Um, 
Jamie uh, supporter for the U.S. Yeah, Jamie. Let Bacon. me just tell you, Jamie Bacon yeah. is very quickly rising through the ranks of like Galaxy Twitter superstars. You know, they she goes, yes, she, she, she. I think, I think she's she pulled, amazing writer for like Riot Squad yeah. anyway, and like supports and like does all that fun stuff. And then, and then she's like, yeah, you can tell them. No, I, I was gonna say it's just amazing to find like these personalities that pop up on Twitter, and then you meet them in in real life, and their personalities are just as big. Like it's, it's always mm-hmm. incredible whenever I'm, whenever I'm talking to, to Chris Tucker of the riot squad cast, people come up to him mm-hmm. and they're like, are you Chris Tucker? Like, I've always wanted to meet you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm looking around like, what the hell? Know, <laughs> what, right? what is <laughs> this so even like, what I... is life right now? And, and Tucker's just like always. So, um, uh, Tucker's so Tucker. Um, I, know, I love, I, know, I love right? those guys. It was I funny because when I met him too, he was like, Oh no, I'm zero. Like he went by right, 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 right. when he goes by his Twitter <laughs> handle for sure. But I mean, I, I, yeah. I love those guys. I love, I love the guys from the riot squad cast, obviously. And, and we've collaborated with mm-hmm. them before and, and they're great mm-hmm. dudes. Um, but it's, it's just kind of like surreal to see like how these galaxy personalities kind of, you know, pop up and, and become like sort of pseudo celebrities on Twitter. Um, Jamie Bacon is, yeah. is very quickly um, becoming one and deservedly so because she, she single-handedly got like a hundred extra supporters for the U S open cup game that um, galaxy has uh, tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow night. So yeah, tomorrow night. So yeah, I'm definitely yeah, so there. whoever, whoever's listening to this and, and it uh, gets there in time, make sure you buy Jamie Bacon a beer. She deserves it. I know really. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait to see her tomorrow at the at that game too, for sure. I know I gotta. Well, you know, fame won't change her. I'm sure uh, <laughs> it already has. Michelle, come on. It already has. <laughs> yeah, well, at least she's got like, the power to push those open cup tickets. Right. You know? Yeah, I know. I gotta have. I'm gonna have her back on the the pod too. But she she didn't actually travel to France. But I'm trying to get a few of our galaxy friends who did go to France. Um, to rec- you know, Skype with me while they're over there, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Reporting from France. That'd be, that'd um, be great. Yeah. Oh yeah, it would be great. I just I don't know what the time difference in in stuff. Yeah, so <laughs> how that's I know right. Um, yeah. So I mean that's great so far. And what coverage would you like the U.S. Women to have? You know, like we've got more. You know, we want more televised access, obviously. Um, but is there anything else that you that you thought of that you'd like to see? In terms of like uh, reporting, commentating, I know like even the rules analysis today uh, was was a woman. I don't know if that matters to anybody, but no, I I think that I think that the the coverage that Fox Soccer has been doing for this World Cup has been pretty fantastic uh, so far, and even the 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 coverage that Telemundo has been doing. Uh, I've been watching most of the games on Telemundo, um, but I have also been here like tuning into halftime of Fox so that I can mm-hmm. get the, the analysis. I think it's been great. And um, I think the, the, it, it feels, it doesn't feel like a women's world cup coverage. It just feels like covering the world cup. So yes. um, I think that that goes a long way as far as the coverage of the U S in, in like NWSL and stuff like that. I think that still has a long way to go. Like you look at, you look at atmospheres that, they have it like the Portland Thorns and you want that all across the league. And, you know, sadly mm-hmm. it looks like when, when you see some of these other teams, um, on TV, it looks like, you know, new England versus Colorado, 
um, in, in MLS, it's, it's pretty sad to see like how few people there are out there and, you know, what kind of, um, atmosphere is, is in the stadium because that, I think that goes a long way in selling the game, um, to, to people, you know, as, because again, like this is the league is, you know, we can, we can talk about sort of the, the Kumbaya, you know, we're all here for American soccer kind of thing, but ultimately it's a product. Like they need to be able to put out a desirable thing on, on display. And, um, you know, I think the quality of the game is right where it should be, but the quality of the atmosphere, the quality of the, the, um, the coverage is not there. And I think that's going to go, that's going to go a long way in continuing to, to, to let it, develop is is getting that quality of coverage up getting more people to games whether that means you know they they have more like promotional things or double headers with when they're um when they're teams that have uh, good mls support or or something else like you know there's there's creative people out there yeah i, I hope they can figure out how to get how to grow the game in a way that makes it more desirable for advertisers so that they can put more money into it and the atmospheres get better and the product on the field gets better. Cause even like looking at salaries, like I think NWSL salaries are only at like 25,000 on average. So like, that's, you know, that's like, that's crazy. Um, the highest, the highest average, um, salary in the world for women's soccer is the French league, which is 45,000 and the German league, which is at 44,000. So hmm. the U S and Liga MX uh, feminine are, are down at the bottom when it comes to average salaries. So, uh, the NWSL is 27,000 per year and, uh, Liga MX feminine is only at 25,000 per year. So, you know, it's, it's, of, it's still, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done. And like I said, like the better the, co- I feel like the better the coverage gets, the better the atmospheres get, the better the, the product on the field is going to get, even though I think the product on the field is, is good. Um, yeah, totally. Just, like we, we were saying how like, like Thailand looked unmatched or, you know, like, uh, the U S was overmatched today. But it, when you think about it, it's like, look, they, they fought hard to get, to get to where they were at too. Yeah. They, I mean, they earned their, they earned their way to the world cup. You know, they, they can Mm -hmm. only play the teams that were in front of them. You know, a lot of the, the big argument that, um, that we always have on the podcast is that, you know, not only the U S national team, but MLS, um, needs to challenge themselves more like, uh, you know, the U S national team, you know, Oh, they shouldn't be using Mexico and Costa Rica as the measuring stick for how successful they are. But, you know, the thing that I always say is like, look, we can't choose the region that we're in. We're in the region we're in. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's not like we can say like, Hey, we're part of Asia now. Um, only Australia has been able to do that. And that's because Australia is its own continent. Like, you know, it's, yeah, they, they obviously like there, there's a special case for that. But if the U S decides like, Hey, we're going to go compete in South America now, what does that say about the CONCACAF region? And like, mm-hmm. you know, it's sure it's, it's not great, but we're also not dominant in the, in the region, um, the way that we used to be. So, you know, we, we have to play the teams that are in front of us. And if we earn our way to the world cup by beating Honduras and Guatemala and El Salvador, then 
you know, that's that's who we got. That's how we've earned our way. And same thing with Thailand. You know, they earned their way to the World Cup. They deserve to be there. Um, the, the gap between the, the, the good teams and the, the little teams are, it, you know, obviously it's, it's a huge chasm there. But, you know, that's how you grow the game. Absolutely. Yeah, you could, You said it. I couldn't say it better. <laughs> Look, I'm speechless. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I wanted to know what your predictions were. Obviously, I would like the, the U.S. women to be able to go all the way um, and, and defend the cup, but I know France is pretty uh, threatening. Yeah. So, uh, like, do you see, like, any dark horses in, in the race or um, – Canada, Canada surprised me, or I, well, maybe I should say that Cameroon surprised me because they played yeah. a really, really rough and, and a really rough game against Canada. And I, I felt like, um, maybe Canada underperformer, maybe Cameroon is, is a team that we have to look out for. Like we'll, we'll see in the next game, um, mm-hmm. Japan, I think underperformed, obviously they, Argentina earned a zero zero tie for their first um, point in world in their World Cup history, which is incredible for them. But also, like you have the defending finalists on the field, like that should have been a team that should have been a game like the U.S. had, where they look really good. So a lot of people have been talking about England. I missed their match, so I didn't. I don't really know too much about them, but I did watch France. France looks incredible, and they're at home, and mm-hmm. they have everything going for them. So I think that whoever gets past that um, quarterfinal game, because as it's set up right now, and assuming that everybody does what they're supposed to do, the U.S. and France are set to meet in the quarterfinal. Whoever get whoever gets past that game is taking the whole thing. Okay. So you're, you're like hundred percent sure about that. I mean, um, because I was, I was seeing about the Netherlands and New Zealand today, the Netherlands, that New Zealand was able to hold off the Netherlands up until like the last two minutes of the match was like, I, I also was surprised by them. I was surprised by, um, by that. So, I mean, you never know. I mean, it's, it is interesting because you see, you, you know, you, you do know that these countries like Argentina, um, France, you know, the U S Netherlands, like we do, like, we do look at those countries and say like, Oh, well they, you know, they, they develop soccer. Like they are, are definitely like top powerhouses, you know? So it's really, really nice. I mean, anything can happen. That's the fun of the world cup is that anybody, I mean, look at our, you know, the last world cup that we just had, um, you know, the big powerhouses were knocked out. So you, you never really know, um, what's going to happen. I mean, it would be kind of interesting to see Cameroon or Canada, um, like go, go further, I think. Um, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, okay. So any of the, like of the starting 11 today that released in, or even like subs that really stood out to you. Like we know, like, you know, Rapino is obviously, um, and Tobin Heath, even though, um, Tobin didn't get, a goal, um, you know, who else was like on your radar? Tobin doesn't get goals. She got souls. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, the standout of the game for me was, uh, Kelly O'Hara. Like she was all over the place. She was dominant in her position. She was getting Mm -hmm. to balls that she had no business getting to that pass that she made for, uh, Morgan's first goal was incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, 
she was probably my player of the match. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, Kelly O'Hara. And, and uh, also, um, I really like the way that um, Horan plays. Horan, I think, is, is yeah. excellent. Yeah. And obviously, Laval, she got two goals. Um, mm-hmm. She's one of the youngest players on the team. She's only, what, 24? Um, I think the second youngest player on the team. Um, she was fantastic. Uh, today also, I actually thought that Rapino didn't have a great game. Um, I felt like her, right. her crosses and her sort of decision-making in the final third were lacking quite a bit. Like she turned into defenders a lot or she thought she was going to get by a defender and she didn't. Obviously once, you know, the, the route was on, then she got a little bit more freedom and I'm glad she got her goal because it means that she's going to be a little bit more confident in the next game and we need her to be on in order for the U.S., I think, to do well. But um, it definitely she's captaining, too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I definitely think that that, that helps. Um, I mean, yeah, Alex Morgan is, is doing her thing <laughs> in kicking up with five goals. Um, and then I was glad that Carly Lloyd got, got her goal at the very end. Yeah, as well. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it was great to, yeah, Mewis and Pew, these are girls that, you know, that I'd always, uh, for, for this round was really looking into, um, especially when they were, when they were doing that friendly, where they honored the, the 99ers. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really fun, um, to see, to see where they go uh, after this and, and to see how they get challenged as well. Yeah, I agree. I, still I mean, it's, there's a lot to come. It, it's crazy to think that, you know, you look at, players like that and you'd say well maybe they should be playing in leo and maybe they should be playing in mexico um mm-hmm. you know maybe nwsl isn't the play you know they're, they're sort of comfortable here um but you know maybe they they need to to challenge themselves and and really like you know i i don't want to say develop that killer instinct because obviously the u.s women's team has that killer instinct i mean they did not let up today um no they didn't 13-0 and they they were still going at yeah. it like it was like yeah. it was zero zero and like that's mm-hmm. the thing that's been missing from the men's side for so long like we have not had that killer instinct probably ever but like it's been severely lacking since like 2010 yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that if, if the tables were turned and, and we were losing, I don't think that, that they would, would play half-hearted. I mean, that was really nice to see that Thailand was still, you know, not playing like, like cynically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, one of my big worries after, even after like four zero was like, okay, get your stars mm-hmm. off because you know, if, if Thailand, I mean, I, you know, I don't know much about Thailand, but if this was like a South American mm-hmm. team, like, they would have just gone straight for, you know, injured, you know, trying to injure players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Maybe, so, maybe I'm just um, too used to mm-hmm. CONCACAF, you know? <laughs> I know. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like when you're talking about like the Guatemalan team, like I do remember like one of our U.S. players, I don't remember what year it was, but he was just like on the floor. And I just remember like Guatemala, like kicking around him for the ball. Yeah, and there was like they're, four dudes. <laughs> they're, they're, the, like, yeah, they're, they're the best in the world and making it look like they're not doing anything, you know, to you, but yeah. they, they, yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, um, wrapping that part up and going to, uh, just briefly on, on MLS, um, 
you know, do you think that there's anything that MLS is doing to hinder or hurt or, or to help grow soccer in the U.S.? I mean, I think of Landon Donovan and Beckham when they had come, or when Beckham had come here as like, like being a really good way to like grow the league. Um, not, not seeing it as a retirement league per se, but, um, yeah. How do you think? Uh, I honestly, I think that MLS in the last few years have, has started to stagnate, um, the, the growth of, of the game here. I think that the, uh, MLS and soccer as a product has gone up, um, and and is you know is climbing but i think that the development side of it is has really been suffering like a lot of the things that mls teams want except for say maybe like dallas and rsl is to win now and so they have not taken the time to develop that next generation of players like now or well i new york red bulls i think have has done a good job of that too um but yeah, bringing over the Gerards and the Geos and the Slatans, like that has <laughs> has I feel like has stagnated the growth of of the yeah. uh, of the homegrown player, not necessarily even the American player, but just the homegrown. You know, like that's the one thing that I think we're we're sorely missing. We're starting to see, we've been missing that for a long time with the Galaxy, but we're starting to see that with um, with Efrain Alvarez and. Mm-hmm. Um, Didi Traore and Julian Araujo mm-hmm. sort of coming up that that G two pipeline. Um, you see it with the U.S. under twenties. Um, you ha- we had um, Yanez and 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 Mendez who were part of the Galaxy system, and and unfortunately we they let them go for free to Germany. But like they they're yeah. coming up through that system, and and. You know they're they're just talented kids out there, but they're not getting the kind of playing time that they that I feel like they need to really step it into that next level. Because how are you going to give guys like that playing time when you have Michael Bradley on the team, when you have you know uh, Joseph Martinez on the team, um, mm-hmm. you have Zlatan on the team? Who are you going to develop? You know they're never going to get any playing time. And yeah, you can say that in an idealistic world, if you if you work hard and show your talent in practice, it's going to be really hard for the coach to not start you. But then again, you have Slatan, So you're never going to usurp him as a, as a starter. So I, I feel like, I feel like this, this sort of win now mentality. Um, and I can say that I'm certainly, I'm guilty of it of like, Hey, we need to fix this. I don't care. You know what we need to do. Mm-hmm. We need to buy our way out of it. I think that's that's been a problem for MLS. So I think the 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 introduction of Tam has sort of like killed off that mid level American player um, or mm. a, a domestic player, I should say. Um, and with the potential rules coming rule changes coming up in MLS, you know, there's talks about them doing away with all allocation money and just raising the salary cap up to a level where it it doesn't matter. Um, you know, if somebody's on a 1.5 and somebody's on a on a 700k and a and a 40k con- or a 60k contract, um, as long as you fit it all within the cap, and then I think there's still the the going to be the DP rule, but I can see how that's going to go away with it, go away, you know, should this experiment of getting rid of allocation money works. Um, 
and and maybe that helps you know that helps us avoid signing players like Jorgen Chelvik or um, <laughs> you know somebody like somebody of that nature because you need somebody who you think is going to work out and so you give them a bunch of money instead you you feel better about sort of using that mid-level talent that you have in MLS and trying to develop them to become top-tier talent yeah I totally uh, agree with that and yeah I'm hoping I mean like I wasn't on and I keep saying this like I wasn't on the Zlatan train when when he when he was coming here because that's what I was worried about that there's so many guys who deserve playtime who who have talent and I was worried that it would become a one-man show and you know just to briefly touch on you know the the last match with the galaxy uh, you know with I guess New England um yeah, what do you think is the next step for for Galaxy? I mean, I hope that we're not going to be on another losing streak here. Well, that's up to. I, I feel like a lot of that was. Um, uh, it's it, it it's hard to say that it was it was player performances, it was bad coaching. I think everybody kind of had their eye on this international break coming up, and so mm-hmm. like the coaching staff has to figure that out, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and then on the other hand, you, you have players that you're starting to fit into the to GBS system and, and he's like not quite sure how to use them. So he brings in these guys. So like for me, I think that Corona coming in has been, um, he, he's been more positive than not. Um, I think we're starting to see the effects that like how instrumental Roman Alessandrini was to the way mm-hmm. that the galaxy played. Sebastian Legette hasn't been himself and now he's injured. Um, your defense, you've got to figure out your defense. Like you, you brought a lot of, you paid a lot of money to bring in people Gonzalez, but then you had this stud in Daniel Starez who for me had been playing at all-star level, um, you, you know, you bring in Gonzalez and you can't just have him sit on the bench. So then you, you force in this formation that puts your all-star guy into a, a bad situation and you have your guy, you know, Polenta and people starting next to each other who don't have that much familiarity with, you know, within each other. And you end up getting kind of the gobbledy mess that we got against New England. So I think there's, there's tactically, there's a lot to figure out for Scalotto. Um, but also mentally for the team as a whole, they've got to get their stuff together. They, they have to show us that they want to win. And I think that's lots on getting mm-hmm. on board with, helping the team be successful rather than helping Zlatan be successful goes mm-hmm. a long way into unlocking that. Cause right now, Absolutely. right now I feel like this is Zlatan wanting Zlatan to be successful. Yeah. Especially after that bicycle kick, right? Oh, I was, I mean, you were standing right behind me. I was, pissed. I, was. <laughs> I was pissed when that bicycle kick went in. Yeah, because it's Zlatan doing Zlatan things, and oh man, I would have died to have. I think it was Polenta with that last shot. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, but I feel like it was it was it's just papering over, you know, problems that we've had. Like we've talked, we talked about even even when we were winning, the guys and I talked about on our podcast how yeah, you know, there's there's still problems within the thing, and we're winning, so like a lot of those those problems are getting overlooked, but like. 
don't be shocked if you know we're not we we start losing or or if you know these problems start to end up hurting us and you know lo and behold they did um you know nobody likes being right for stuff like that but there there it was especially us (laughs) we love the team so much and we've been following them so long but that's the thing we we know the potential that they have and we you know just like watching the u.s team like you know that the talent is there and so it's just it is just frustrating um and yeah hopefully that that they do get it together for sure i mean like you said it's going to take time time and nobody wants to hear that I know. I know. Well, thank you so much. It's been so fun collaborating with you and I would love to have, you know, all of LA as our house on here next time. So, cause yeah, you guys are my first pod. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's crazy that you went from, um, from doing our dumb little show to, uh, having this wonderful <laughs> podcast of your own. So we're happy, yeah, you know, but if, I remember. if LA is our house, uh-huh. if LA is our house ended today and your podcast went on into, you know, the future, I think I would, I myself would be happy knowing that we've, you know, put a little, helped a little bit of, you know, put a little bit of, um, more perspectives out there. Um, through our through our dumb little podcast and you know i i feel like i feel like just the the podcasting community as a whole like not just within the la galaxy community but like all of the podcasts you know because we've collaborated with a lot of different ones we've collaborated with unrelegated we've collaborated with um you know people from from the new york red bulls we've collaborated with uh tom sweezy doing uh mls aces Mm -hmm. um it's, you know, it's just this big sort of, you know, um, community that everybody's, you know, everybody's cool. Like so far I haven't run into anybody who's like tried to big time us at all. Even, yeah, absolutely. Like, even That's what I was going to say. We all support each other. Yeah. We, I mean, we even got the freaking cooligans on our show for God's sake. Like if, if anybody's <laughs> going to big time us, it, it's the cooligans, but no, turns out they were super chill guys and they were, they were great. Um, so, you know, many blazers, Let's let's go after them. Yeah, get, get, get those guys on your show, <laughs> Michelle. Well, that, you know that's always so funny. Okay, I'll go. I'll try. But um, no, when when I first recorded with you guys, and it was my first podcast ever, you guys were like, "What? It's the first podcast?" They're like, "Oh no, she's gonna she's gonna go on and like start her own." It took like a year, <laughs> but here, yeah, but you did it. Here I am. You now. did it. I did it. There's a yes, there, and I'm yeah, we're doing the thing. Yeah, there's <laughs> but a, you're right. Our soccer community is small, but it's wonderful to be able to collaborate with everybody. It is, yeah, it's not always going to be that way, and so I know. you know, enjoy it now, enjoy it while it lasts, because <laughs> you know, pretty soon there's going to be TV shows dedicated to you know what Julian Araujo ate for dinner last night, and you know, I for <laughs> I for one, I've, I've been pitching that thing for to ESPN. <laughs> Seven months. Have like a oh like a little like recipe like uh in the kitchen with you know uh Eucidic when he was making vegan oh, out right. or something yeah, or other right, right? <laughs> and I think yeah. I think Susanna Collins from MLS did like a like a cooking show with like the Minnesota players too. Oh wow. So yeah, All it's, right. it's, it's out there, you know, yeah. the content's out there. I know we need to capitalize one on day, this one more, day we'll but... do balls and beer from the floor of the MGM Grand. There you go. And like, uh, when you were in New York, you got your sticker on someone's laptop and it was like broadcasted everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's still on there. <laughs> it's still sitting it's still on, on Susanna Collins. Uh, um, yeah, there laptop. you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thanks you guys for listening. Uh, tune in to the next episode of Simply Soccer, aiming for next week. Uh, definitely lots of women's World Cup coverage coming your way. Uh, we still got an international break before you know, Galaxy comes back. And of course, listen to Elias Our House. And guys, check out Balls and Beers. It's a really fun MLS prediction show. There's nothing else like it, like that league. This. All right. Thanks, David. Bye.